0: And there's discontent that comes up because you feel like there's fomo there's missing out there's like oh i'm not able to be a pick my kid you know kids up from from sports and also be on the peloton and be like totally shredded Mm -hmm. and also do meal prep with adorable little Mm Right. creatures for the kids and all that stuff and it's like well, while up. recording it and putting it up on your youtube channel yes of course like while recording it and selling your selling your course
1: Welcome back to Sonder Union. I'm Owen McGran, and I'm just a guy who got home from vacation earlier today, so I'm in a pretty good mood, and in an even better mood after having listened back to this episode with Hassan Ali. Hassan and I uh, have a fairly wide-ranging conversation talking about creativity and anxiety, Um, working with our fathers, um, and uh, adult male friendship. So, um, I'm gonna leave it at that. If you are so inclined, please do rate and review Sonder Union on your podcast platform of choice. With that, let's go to the tape. All right. Uh, Hassan Ali is a man after my own heart. He traffics in words he uses them to set up, set up expectations and then just kind of eviscerates them by letting the words turn on themselves in Jew. Uh, he's a veteran of the onion. Um, he's the brainchild behind Potbelly's creative voice. Um, and he first came to my attention through a mutual friend of ours, Vivica Hess. I've really been looking forward to this one. He managed to get COVID to avoid uh, taping for a little while, but I got him. So uh, Hassan, welcome to Sonder Union.
0: Thank you. Thank you. I am uh, so pleased to be here. COVID free. Uh, Thank you for I got COVID on my birthday, which I (laughs) which I which I then learned is not an unusual thing. Many others got it. Thankfully, it was very mild and uh, no big deal there. But it's been great listening to your podcast. It's like so different and refreshing to just have something that so something someone mentioned that. Your podcast doesn't have action items on it, and I think that, like, in the world, in the world of just media blitz that we're getting in LinkedIn posts and everything, it's it's nice to just have like a Seinfeldian. You don't have to learn anything from this, you know. It's just (laughs) you can learn it by by as a nice byproduct of that, but like, is no no one telling you like, okay, here is your three-step blueprint to do X, Y,
1: or Z. Right, it's it's designed to be anti didactic, right? Where, yes. you know, the, the, there's, <clears throat> you don't come here to specifically learn something, right? Other than, you know, um, Owen asked some pretty stupid questions and still manages to elicit interesting responses. Um, so, uh, if you have listened to previous episodes, you know what the first question is going to be. Um, I ask this in every Uh, Episode and um, every pitcher and I learned recently because somebody pointed it out to me. Every professional wrestler also has walk-on music, so when they when they show up, music plays. Uh, What's your walk-up song?
0: I would be Welcome to the Jungle by far. All right, definitely. All right, it's Welcome to the Jungle. I I say this because a couple things. The jungle has a very. It's like a running family concept. So, first of all, I love the jungle. I'm wild. I'm a little kind of a wild, although I seem I know you can tell from all my face tattoos, so whoever is listening. I have just <laughs> whoever's listening to this. My face is just like two eyes. Otherwise, it's all face tattoos. And beard. there's like it's like just covered, covered. So that's how much it, it,
1: it is. It is impressive.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. for anyone who's listening to this, just take my word for it. Um, it's, it's like, you know, in those Disney movies where someone looks into the dark forest and there's two like little eyes peeping out, it's like that. but when, when, unlike that image that I portray, um, I do like, I'm outwardly a pretty straight laced kind of guy, but I do like have like an internal wild side. I never rebelled in high school, but I feel like I rebel inside in my own way. And so I love like the jungle is like a wild place, and the mm-hmm. world is a wild place. And I kind of used to really resist that and be like afraid of the mm-hmm. world being a wild place. And it's like I'm not cut out for this. This is it's too crazy. There's things are shifting all the time. Eventually, though, about six years ago, I was thinking about it. And I just said, I have to embrace it. I have to embrace it, resisting the chaos, chaoticness, um, unless it's like a toxic situation, but the chaoticness of life and the approaching, approaching it a life with a sense of curiosity and just like embracing like it is a wrestling ring and Mm -hmm. having that hyperbolic, (laughs) hyperbolic approach to it has been really refreshing for me. And, has helped pivot my mindset to be less like, Oh, crap, there's COVID or whatever that Oh, crap, there's this leak, or there's something that happens or whatever. It's just like, it's part of the jungle. And my dad talks about it all the time is he's an immigrant from Pakistan, and just like my mom, and he's very much of the mentality. He's just been he's always said, like, life is a jungle and you have to just be the be the predator, not the prey in the jungle. And so I like Welcome to the Jungle too. And it's got a great, I'm a guitar player. It's got some great mm. riffs in there too. So I, I yeah. you can't deny the great riffs of Welcome to the Jungle.
1: That's true. So there, there's a lot to unpack in there, right? I want to start, so when, when I was four years old, uh, my dad took me to the San Diego Zoo, right? and if you've ever been to the it's it's a, it's an amazing zoo and we go through and at the end he he said so what was your favorite animal and i said daddy people are my favorite animal and Aww. you know there there there's a certain you know you know i find people fascinating for the, for a lot of the reasons that you were talking about there where it is a jungle out here and and people are you know uh, insane for any number of different reasons Right, um, from from my experience, just reading your your posts on LinkedIn and and the um, little bits that we've been able to talk, I get the sense that you're kind of fascinated by people too, right? And, you know, I, I'm curious as to, you know a lot of the humor that you have seems observational about people and people's nature, right? So how, how do you use just people's insanity as the basis to, to sort of twist things so that you can reveal something that <clears throat> people might not necessarily see as obvious?
0: Yeah, that's, a, well, thanks for sharing that. I think that I, I am a huge Seinfeld fan. I think Seinfeld is, is l- l- like a lot deeper than just a TV show. Like I think Larry David and, and Jerry Seinfeld tapped into a lot of like Freud has the id and this ego and superego. Mm-hmm. And and I think in a lot of the episodes they really talk about the id in that like the shameful things. Oh yeah. The shameful things that don't aren't supposed to be expressed or shared, but they just do. And people love watching that because it's like, oh my gosh, like I can't believe they're vocalizing this thing that we all this dark topic that we all Mm -hmm. think about, but don't necessarily um, express. And for me, I think it, it. I got a lot of that people person type connection with the fact that I am an extroverted person. Both my parents are psychiatrists, so they're very intuitive to other people, their feelings and emotions and when it comes to humor, I think, first of all, humor is just a very um, a way of bonding people together very quickly. Mm-hmm. And um, I actually I actually read the other day, um, I actually read the other day that the first joke, recorded joke in history was a fart joke. And it was great.
1: <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's perfect. That is like it's like on
0: a cave wall or something like that. But it's it's the first (laughs) first joke ever. It's like it's and it's about it's a fart joke. And to know that way back when when they were writing in scribbles and 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 animal drawings, the humor was bringing people together. And so um, today, like one of my favorite posts that. I've written was um, I write a lot of posts about like fragile masculinity and, right. and w- this is not on LinkedIn, this is more on like medium and stuff like that. And mm-hmm. one of my posts was about, um, like, oh crap, I ate a Luna bar. What's going to happen to me? And, <laughs> and like, oh my gosh, I actually loofahs, lufas are a thing that I actually kind of like. And <laughs> oh, my God, they're, they're so scrubby and, like, effective and stuff and definitely inspired by a lot of people who I know who are just like anything related to any that thing that's not manly or masculine in any kind of way mm-hmm. is like, no, just squash it. Right. The way. Right. Um, so so I, I love using those observations of people, not to make fun of people, but to allow, allow people just to feel like, you know, you don't have to be, um, bottle stuff up inside and you can be seen and I see you and, um, everything is from a place of relatability and like trying to help other people out on, in this crazy chaotic, um, world. It's all from a place of empathy. And like if if people have. Hang ups and various insanities and things like that, they, they're hilarious. But. Um, you know, I think that there's also a part of me that really wants to help, like make sense of of that and be like, you know what? You're OK, like you don't have to be thinking about.
1: Oh, right. Yeah. You don't have, you don't
0: have you don't have yeah. you don't have to be doing some of the stuff that you're doing you, you're actually okay
1: yeah no i i mean when i say you know everybody's insanity i i mean that as a loving kind of thing because that's what makes all of us pretty interesting right is that we do have these weird idiosyncrasies the you know the you know the weird things that each of us do that we don't notice that we do right that um you know to other people are just fascinating right um what are some so, of yours? Yeah, so it, it's it's interesting. I, I I actually just wrote a scene in the in the novel that I'm writing where I take a little bit of of this. Um, so when when I married my wife, <laughs> she she at one point she was like, you know, you, you you bathe like a caveman. I was like, what are you talking about? She's like, you just take the soap right in your hand and you just put it right up your face and it's like. You know, you're, you're rubbing your face down with, with soap. It's like, you know, you can just put it on your hands and like slowly massage it. And I was like, oh, you're supposed to do it that way, right? And, you know, it was something that, you know, I was probably three years old and I was like, okay, well, I gotta put the soap on my face. Um, But now I'm, I'm a 42 year old dude, right? <laughs> and I'm still just taking a bar of soap and slathering my face, you know, with, with soap. And, you know, in the book it was, you know, uh, the character and and his his new wife the the wife is talking to her friend saying can you believe that he does this this is this is ridiculous right and you know i felt that it it gives an, an immediate sense of person right because you know it it's an immediate flavor of of you know in, in the same way that you know you don't have to give a large you know explanation of somebody when you can just say he, you know he walked in with uh, yellow shoes, right? Immediately, you kind of know the type of person that who's going to, you know, stroll in in, in yellow shoes. Um, so, yeah,
0: absolutely. Those are the show don't tell kind of things in writing mm-hmm. where you can communicate so much with like those idiosyncrasies, like you said. And and everyone's got different Id- interesting idiosyncrasies. I think there is um, I think that every, everyone brings something kind of unique to the table, and um, whether it's mismatched socks, I know people who just intentionally wear mismatched socks, or mm-hmm. other personality type idiosyncrasies. Um, I think like that's what makes the jungle so interesting. <laughs> it's that we everyone's bringing something unique and in, interesting to the table, and um, I mean, speaking of idiosyncrasies, like I know like the law is not part of this podcast, but like I, you're the, probably such an anomaly and in in the most, (laughs) in the most refreshing way, because I, that's why I, I think we hit it off is because like you of course are a practitioner of your profession, but you're also interested in like so many other things, like personal, your personal brand, your marketing, your novel other creative expressions and so i think that's what makes um that constellation those constellations of things make someone just so interesting and unique and i bet if you put two twins together like even those two after a while aren't the same type of person they're unique people
1: yeah no there's no doubt about that um you know and and that's it's you know we make a lot about differences and how you know like we, we we play that up as something bad but actually you know when you look at it that's the kind of thing that that's really beautiful right because it it gives distinction amongst people and 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 you know provides a, a more robust sense of possibility right um so yeah i, I mean i think that's uh, that, that's really well taken in that um when you seek out those those shades of difference right you can really learn a lot about you know not not just other people but but yourself because of the things that you realize that you take as a given
0: absolutely and those are the thi- th- those are the things that w- 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 there's an example that i really love where you know two people can look at a piece of art and see or like five people can look at a piece of art and see five completely different th- or forget even piece of art five people can look at a baseball or something and see interpret that mm-hmm. in like five kind of different ways some some person is like i hate sports and it doesn't mean anything to me uh, another person is like oh this reminds me of going to the ballpark right. with my grandfather every single day at the to a cubs game or something like that and so those past histories and stuff bring some so many interesting interesting things and I think you're right. Where people, in general, even in high school, right? What was the whole thing in high school? Is like I just want to be normal. I just want to fit in, mm-hmm. and and it's too bad. And I don't think we can change that because we just are that way as developing teenagers. But it's so cool how like I've started to realize outside of high school how all that weird stuff that I can swear. It's okay, good. all that weird shit. Yeah,
1: no, 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 I, I swear like a sailor. So there, this, this is getting that E next to the, uh, the episode. Yeah, so yeah, we're all good. Sorry, we're all good.
0: Yeah. All that weird, <laughs> all that weird shit that I was into. Oh, I was a band geek, in quotes, right? Like, but yeah. maybe I should be more mainstream. Maybe I should do that. That all just, you know, um, added up to what is actually unique and what people are craving when they're, doing their own thing or building their own brand or doing their own pursuits. A lot of people are just like, I fit in and I resisted my actual passions. And I am now like in my 20s, 30s, 40s and trying to be different and like have my own identity and things like that.
1: Right, lean into all those things that you're trying to suppress in order to be just the you know standard deviation within a standard deviation of normal, right? Yeah,
0: yeah, exactly, exactly, and that's where the magic happens with people, just in general. Something that I'm, you talk about people, I'm a, like if I could get paid to talk to people, I'm sure there's a job. I would I would do that job, like yeah. if it's being a sur- surveyor or something like that. I would do it, um, maybe therapist actually for that matter, but. um I, I love talking to people. I love learning people's stories. And one of the things that I do is I talk to everyone I meet when I, when I go get coffee, I talk to people all the time at coffee shops and, uh, oh, just, oh, what's, is an interesting order you got, um, you know, wh- what are you up to today? Stuff like that. And what's just so interesting about that is you do like, I I do get to listen to everyone's different various stories that they're coming to the table with, but also there's something really unique to how, um, everyone wants to like, everyone is so eager to share, like what makes them, what makes them special and, and that's awesome. And I, I hope like unfortunately I think there's that fit in mentality even in to adulthood and stuff. And of course, there, there are things that I think would be great to be like, Oh yeah, I'm whatever, uh, an accountant by day, but I'm really into, uh, like m- metal music, you know, or I'm in really mm-hmm. into that, and I go to metal band. Um, I go to yeah, metal yeah. band concerts or whatever, like
1: that's, interesting to to hear. Yeah, it's super cool. You know, I mean, one of the things that, that, that happens is, you know, so often the, the kind of of the human interaction that we have is, is the superficial gloss on things. Right. Mm -hmm. And, and so rarely do people get the opportunity to be seen, right? Not, not just like noticed a little bit, but, but seen right in, in, in your fullness. Um, and I think part of what you're describing there, you know, when you're at the coffee shop or wherever, when you talk to somebody and you invite, you know, them to step into the st- into the spotlight just for a moment, right? That can be a magical thing for both of you.
0: Absolutely, so, absolutely. It also has created some interesting connections. I've, I imagine, I've, I've, I've met, <laughs> I've met a few mentors that way. I met an Australian pilot, like for air, Aust- I, I don't know what it is. Contest, maybe whatever the hmm. the the <laughs> airline for Australia is. Um, I've never been to Australia, clearly, but um, and I met him. We were just talking. He wasn't wearing like his pilot outfit or anything. We just got to talking and I was like, oh, you have an Australian accent. That is amazing. And first of all, like accents are a whole other podcast. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm the,
1: indeed. That.
0: I'm obsessed with podcasts or not podcasts. I'm obsessed with podcasts, but I'm also obsessed with accents. How (laughs) like something, one of my favorite things I like jokes is like British accent equals instant credibility. Like, it's just like, so
1: always, yeah. You know, it's, it's like different, different English accents evoke different kinds of (laughs) responses. If, if, if a guy with, you know, an Oxbridge accent tells me to do something, I'll say, yes, sir. Right. Yeah. If, you know, if somebody with an American accent is like, okay, where's the contract? What do we have to do? Right. If if an Irish guy shows up, it's like, can you read me a poem? Right. Um, Like they they just have different characters that that just almost ooze out of them. Right. Oh, yeah,
0: it's great. It's great. I love accents of all kinds, but this so this like um, which made what this pilot say even more loftier. But I, I was like, oh, so I have, you're an airline pilot. That's amazing. Like, this is such a dumb question, but I have to ask dumb question. How do you start the plane? Like, how do you start it? Like, is there, <laughs> is there like, and this is f- literally from a Seinfeld episode. Um, is, is there a button? Is there a key? Do you turn like a right, car? Right. How do you start it? And we had a g- 20 minute, half hour discussion about how <laughs> you start a commercial airline, like it's a whole thing is a whole, there's it, he was describing the various ways that this kickstarts this process and X it's a domino effect basically of this starts the rudder and this, the ones that's going, it creates another effect. So it's, a, it's not just like a flip flip a switch. And so, um, you know, I'm the other day I was just. T- chatting with someone and it was in New York and I was chatting with someone and, uh, at the coffee shop and, you know, they're like a, uh, um, uh, all they do is re- get, they get paid to basically review hotels and like put that okay. on a blog. And I was like, yeah. uh, let's switch lives. That's pretty awesome. You know? like, <laughs> you know, that's pretty great. So there's all sorts of interesting people, um, you know, that can come across at just standing in line at the coffee shop.
1: Yeah, no, it's, you know, if you just pay attention, right. People are going to reward you. Right. Yeah. It's, uh, it's, it's pretty, pretty fascinating that way. So, um, you said both of your parents were psychiatrists, yeah. right? What was that like growing up with?
0: Um, are you asking me how I felt about that? How did I feel about it? Well,
1: so, so, uh, so a little bit of context. My wife is a psychiatrist.
0: I right? was trying to make a dumb joke, Owen, which is like, you know, how do you feel about it? Oh,
1: that? I'm, I'm sorry. Yeah, it was, it was, <laughs> it went soaring over my head. No, 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 <laughs> so, I, love it. I
0: love it. So yeah. you, you said your wife is a psychiatrist?
1: My wife is a psychiatrist too. And it's, it's interesting to live with, right? Yeah. So, so when you're a kid, what's it like?
0: When I, when I was a kid, I'm very blessed to have had them. Maybe it was their profession. Maybe it was just them as people, but very, um, one thing was that like communication was very open. It was very encouraged and it wasn't, to the level of like here let's pass the feeling stick around or anything like that but <laughs> right, right it was right. It was at a point of you know um what's on your mind my mom likes to say speaketh and she said speaketh what's going on <laughs> and and it'd be like oh i got someone said something mean at school or whatever or instead of just bottling it up and instead of mm-hmm. them going you know helicopter parent on the school or whatever it is it's like okay and how does that how does that make you feel right and Mm -hmm. let's talk about it what emotions are coming up and all that good stuff and I felt like it teed me up I'm very grateful that it teed me up to be really emotionally aware as a as a young adult and then adult but what was really interesting is hearing the types of like when they come home from the office or the hospital where they were at, and mm-hmm. um, just really appreciating what what you're it just really having empathy f- for a lot of the situations, tough situations people were going through, and mm-hmm. this is like dinner table conversation where there'd be like, "Oh, today I saw someone who um, had a psychotic episode and stabbed someone." and it's like
1: right, right. You know,
0: that's it's it's less of a like oh my god that's cool it's more of a wow so, that, that's really sad like and, and
1: right and, we were trying to get somebody to stop drinking out of the toilet today right? yeah right right and
0: and my dad has done forensic psychiatry so that's where some of this mm. stuff for criminal stuff is really intense but um one of the things that my mom just retired and she I think the testament to like what it was like growing up as a kid with her as a as a psychiatrist is shown in the amount of letters and emails she got from people when she said she was retiring it was it's like Mm -hmm. a giant stack of fan mail kind of thing and um to yes they were kind of away from home for working a lot Mm -hmm. but like to see that kind of impact was really has been really uh, a real blessing to see like, okay, there are people who've been with my mom said there's literally people who were like since six years old with her and now they're like 40 or they're now like 30 or something like that. And they're thriving and just um, still with her and stuff like that. And so. Right. Yeah.
1: Yeah. I mean, the the impact that you can have in, in that profession is profound. Um, yeah, it's, it's interesting. It's when I was growing up. So my, my dad, uh, is an attorney. Um, my mom, uh, stepped away from work until I, uh, until I went to college. And then she went back, she, she was a banker. Um, the, I was raised Irish Catholic, which means that, that feelings were something that you buried and, and were not they were forbidden, right? They, they were not permitted around you. That's something that you deal with on your own and good luck. Um, it was a very steep learning curve for me when I, when I was a young man and, and growing into adulthood, because, you know, I mean, I, I don't mean to paint my parents in a, in a bad light. They were wonderful. They're, they're great people. And, and I'm extraordinarily lucky to have them as my parents, yeah. but there was a steep learning curve, right? Where it's like, Oh, I'm allowed to have more emotions than just anger. Huh? Huh? What are these other, what can I put a name? Do, do they have names? Right. <laughs> and just, just like this sort of revelatory. Oh, there, there's an entire, you know, vocabulary that, that can help me understand the way that I'm feeling. This is, this is amazing.
0: Absolutely. Um, well, I, I think what's great is that it's like knowing what's going on is kind of half the half the battle of like, mm-hmm. why am I feeling these things? Because I think where a lot of issues come up is, um, where they're feeling someone is feeling something and it's it's unknown. It's just like when people are frustrated about a medical condition that no one can seem to diagnose it's like well shit. i just kind of want to be told that it's this so whatever it is and and i want to have a name to this so that i know what i'm dealing with and right and having the, the feeling of like when i had my first panic attack which was in 2000 i had a, started getting panic attacks in 2018 or 17 mm-hmm. and um when i first had that it was like It wasn't like, oh, this is panic. It was, oh, I'm dying. Dying, right. That's what's happening. It's not, oh, this is high anxiety. This is high panic or something like that. This is something is wrong and i am dying like that was the name of the feeling is you are dying <laughs>
1: right so it's, it's like your heart is beating out of your chest right yeah I and mean, it's, it's 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 not like oh man something's it's, it's your entire body basically saying pay attention because something is not right
0: right right and with a lot of work that and and this is something like i feel very comfortable talking about is from like 2017 ish to like 2020 basically 2019 i had like really intense uh recovery journey from panic and anxiety and i'm really grateful to say like i have it very managed now and like it's it's Mm -hmm. like i feel like i can talk forever about like the the journey that that was but the, the main thing was like putting names to those types of feelings. Like you were talking about, like, why is, what is this feeling beyond anger? Like what, what I can't mm-hmm. believe there's this other feeling. And, um, that was so much of that recovery journey was just like being like, what is the feeling? It's not, it's not, I'm dying. It's like, I'm feeling anxious. So I have the, I have the feeling of anxiety or whatever it is. And, mm-hmm. um, I remember being, in the onion office, in the sound booth where we recorded like stuff for, um, podcasts and videos and stuff like mm-hmm. that on the floor, just like in a fetal position curled up, uh, one morning because I was, wow. I was just like that crippled with it. Um, and it's, it's been amazing to see. And of course, like the door closed, no one else to be, to come in. And I was just like, Oh God, this is it. This is it. Um, but a lot of the work has been putting labels to those things and just being like okay that's an exp- that's like a bodily experience that i'm having and it's mm-hmm. not indicative of of this larger there like if you literally look around the room there's no wolf attacking me right now there's right you know what i mean so um yeah that was kind of what has helped so there are so many feelings out there, but getting in touch with the feelings also requires a little bit of, I think courage. I mean, courage, a lot of people, sure. a lot of people define courage as, as like walking, walking the tightrope, uh, or walking tightrope, uh, with no net or something like that. Some epic thing, mm-hmm. um, no. courage is, courage is, oh, I courage is, oh, I, like sustained eye contact with someone, and I'm working on trying to sustain better eye contact. One
1: hundred percent. Yeah. One hundred percent. Yeah. yeah. You know, it's, it's the it's it's the little things that that get you further, right? I mean, um, somebody, um, I I told somebody that I recently met um, that I had had an organ transplant, right? And they're like, "Oh my God, that must have been so terrible." And look, 10 out of 10 do not recommend, you know, it's, you know, unless it's going to keep you alive, don't do it. But they're like, how do you get through that? And I was like, you get through it one day. You decide to get out of bed in the morning and, you know, take your medication and do all of the things that are going to put you in a position to be okay. Right. Every single one of those is a choice and every single one of them, I think requires courage right? Not because it's some massive lift, not because, you know, you know, there, there is some, it's, it's, it's not like putting your your body in between a bullet and somebody else or something like that, but it's just that mundane, you know, everyday kind of thing that, that is what, what gets you through those really difficult kind of things.
0: Oh yeah, absolutely. And that's the one day at a, we're just so programmed to be looking into, there's a great quote that I love, which is from Gert Boyle, who's the, uh, president slash founder. And I think she, she may have passed away recently, but, um, she was like a very pro- prominent figure and chairperson of Columbia sports company, the sportswear company. And she was in right. a lot of their ads and things like that. Very iconic figure in for that brand. And she was like, So she she inherited the brand, the company. I mean, she was working on it with her husband, they started it together, but then she became the de facto president of the brand when her husband died. This was like earlier on in Mm -hmm. the the founding of the company. And I have her biography and one of the autobiography. And one of the things she said was, you know, if you would tell me to swim four miles in the ocean, I'd tell you you're crazy. But if you drop me four miles away from the boat, you better believe I'll start swimming
1: mm-hmm.
0: and yeah, I'm like, the thing is when you're in it, that's what you're doing. You're the, the thought of like, oh, what if I have to do this? I mean, that's a, a it's a thought and a non non ism. It's not happening right now, but oh, like right. said, when you're, when you're in the thing, it's like, what do you do? You take one, paddle stroke at a time, one day at a time to get to wherever the next moment is, the next thing is, you know, and mm-hmm. um, I think that that happens so much. Like I've tried um, so many like one of the things that I've I love, but I'm and notoriously kind of uh, undermine myself is organizing <laughs> meetups. Like I'm a people person, I love meetups, mm-hmm. but some of was one of the things is, oh, there's so much on your checklist to have to do to organize a meetup. And mm-hmm. then all of a sudden I'm, when I start doing the things, it's like, oh, this is not that hard. It's actually really easy. It's, it's, it's not, it wasn't this, it's like that being dropped in the water two miles away. And it's mm-hmm. like, yeah, there's stuff to do, but it doesn't feel as daunting as me lying in bed thinking about it, so.
1: Right, you know, it's it's, it's amazing how much more manageable things seem if you just take the first step. Right? Yeah. When, when you're in the middle of doing it, it's easier than the contemplation of of having to do it. Um, you know, I mean, and, and, and I do this, you know, this week there was, you know, a piece of work that I needed to get done and I kept putting it off. I was like, it's going to be, and I sat down this morning to do it. and It literally took me 13 minutes. Right. It was just like, why, why was I making such a big deal about this? It took me, it was a fairly, you know, once you figured out how to do it, it was easy. Right. But the thought of having to figure it out, it's like, just sit down and do the work.
0: Yeah. 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 You had to you know, um, it it only took thirteen minutes to, um. To do something that you felt like would take so much longer, right?
1: Right, and that and that I probably thought about for hours. Right. right. Yeah. Yeah. Right? yeah. It, it, you know, and and not not think about in terms of like start working through it, but dread it, dreading doing it. Yeah. Right?
0: Yeah. 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 Exactly.
1: Exactly. Yeah. Um, is there, is there a moment that you remember with great clarity that you now think meant something different from what you thought it meant at the time?
0: Um, that's a great question. I think that the moment of great clarity, I I would say this is, I mean, this isn't the most funniest topic to talk about, but like. Right. The, the, the moment of clarity that I had, um, is around the anxiety recovery stuff. And, Mm -hmm. um, you know, I, I think that if it helps anybody, like I would love to talk about it and and all that stuff. But Mm -hmm. one of the things that I was literally sitting on a bench and this like moment, it was a bench in Chicago's Lincoln park. And it was right by DePaul university. I know I have the visual in my head right now. I can almost feel the bench on my butt as I'm sitting on it. Mm-hmm. And, yeah. um, it was that I was continuing to like read up of how to solve anxiety. I was like reading every, I probably, if you see my Google search history from that time, it was probably just only like, how do I solve anxiety and like YouTube searches? How do I solve anxiety? How do you do this? Yeah. And I was even working with the therapist at the time. And it was like, even then it was like on top of that therapist time, I was doing more research because it wasn't working. Right. I was still anxious or whatever. Mm -hmm. And then the aha moment came or moment of clarity came where I was like, I was like sitting on this bench and I don't know what, if it was um, some cosmic force or something like that said, like, this won't stop. If you keep doing it, there's it's an infinite scroll of Hmm. information and what your, what was your, day to day what was my day to day? i was like i was just reading about solving anxiety but like what about your life like what did you do life wise today i said i just did that i dreaded and worried like you said you dreaded and worried it was about dreaded and worrying doing going outside and like doing meeting people and and going out and living life basically and because I was afraid if I go out and live life, it's away from my safe sanctuary and I, I'll feel these weird feelings and I'll want to just go back in my turtle shell. And that moment of clarity opened up Literally, I think that was probably the turning point where I said, there's like, there's life mode and then there's being preparation and education mode and there's like doing mode and then there's education and re- research mode and i think for perfectionists or overthinkers which i think many mm-hmm. of us are it's more in the former where it's where it's okay we're overthinking and we're in the dread zone and we're in the i need to educate myself with one more article one more thing one more thing until it's right. like really ready versus I I need to read one more. I need to listen to one more podcast from this therapist who talks about how to cure anxiety. And by the way, they're all saying the same thing, like go live your life, Mm -hmm. that's live your life with anxiety (laughs) and, and maybe get medication. Like that's, those are the things. And then, so I, that point 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 was a very good thing for me to just be like, okay, I'm going to get up from my bench now, and I'm going to go to a park. And I'm going to Mm -hmm. like, actually be fully engaged in this park. This is my life thing. This is my going on my time. Like you, you said, you logged 13 minutes. This is like, I'm logging time in my ledger of my day, Mm
1: -hmm.
0: doing something that is a, a, I called it life shit. Like what was my life shit Mm -hmm. thing I did today. And it can't be reading about anxiety because I've read the encyclopedia encyclopedic amount of knowledge about that.
1: Right, you know, and to, at some point it doesn't matter how much you know, you have to go actually act it out and start yeah. figuring out how to implement and you know, I, you mentioned earlier that that you are a, an extrovert and a people person and if you're not giving yourself that kind of energy and that connection, it's mm-hmm. only going to compound the anxiety that you're feeling, I would imagine. Right, and so by starving yourself of that and and focusing in on what you perceive to be the problem, mm-hmm. right, you're you're compounding and doubling down on on the thing that's making you anxious in the first place.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And I think what we were talking about courage earlier, like I think courage is. I mean, there's so many the act of you're you're in, a, in the creative space as well. And I mean, creativity itself is an act of courage. It's very vulnerable. Mm -hmm. It's a very vulnerable thing. Even a lot of people I work with who are trying to post on LinkedIn, for instance, to build their brand and express themselves and stuff like that. Um, They're like, but I don't want to. It's like a simple post about like, uh, hey, I'm really proud to announce I we just like, right. beat, beat our quarter two goals or something like that. Something that one should be excited about and worth sharing. But there, there's a,
1: but what are people going to think? Yeah. Right? right. What, what if they think I'm boasting or yeah. what, if, what if somebody makes fun of me? Right. Right.
0: That's... Right. And those though, anything that's like overcoming one's fears or whatever is an act of courage. And, and, but I do think that, um, doing mode, like doing versus education mode, there's, I think, it helps to have, and I'm not great at this still, but I, I'm working on it is having a cap on the amount of education I do. And then mm. being like 50% ready instead of like 90% ready and go. Yeah.
1: You know, one of the biggest things that, that has changed, um, I want to say post transplant, but that, that might be, you know, imbuing too much in, into that. Um, if I want to do something, I just start doing it now. Whereas, you know, previously I would sit and I would, it would take years for me to, to say, okay, well maybe, maybe I know enough now to, you know, I don't know anything about podcasting. Mm-hmm. Right. But, but here we are. Um, I have no idea if it's any good, but I'm doing it anyway. Right. Yeah. Um, and, you know, at some point, you know, I, I think it was uh, Seth Godin who we've spoken about before you know, who says, you know, art only happens when you do something that might not work. And then you put it out into the world anyway, So here I made this. And, you know, it's, it's interesting when you reframe, you know, creative endeavor as something that intrinsically, like as a predicate, it has to perhaps have the ability to fail, right? If you know it's not gonna work, what are you doing? or rather if you know that it will work you know Mm -hmm. at that point like there's no chance being taken there's nothing that you are giving somebody or providing to somebody that that could provide beauty that they don't already have or a new perspective on something you know because it's safe
0: oh yeah one of the one of the things that i love about first of all i had a seth gasm just now because seth godin is Amazing. I wish I could. There's some people who are like, who would you have dinner with? You know, Abe Lincoln. People say Abe Lincoln and all that stuff. I'm like, I want dinner with like The Rock and Seth Godin. And hopefully (laughs) hopefully, at the
1: same time,
0: the same table. (laughs) Like what a a curious invite list. Okay, cool. We have so much to relate to each other about. Um, But like something that I think is so true there is That stakes and stakes is something that Mm -hmm. is is huge, and I think that um, there was a really good book that I read recently called Time Management for Mortals. It's by um,
1: Oliver Berkman.
0: Oliver Berkman, yes, Time Management for Mortals, and Four Thousand Weeks. Four Thousand Weeks, yeah,
1: that's what it is. Yeah, the the subtitle is yeah.
0: I I think that was like also another moment of clarity book that Mm -hmm. I had, which was. Basically in, in that he's talking about like the reason he's saying basically that people have discontent by not being able to do it all.
1: Do everything, like literally everything.
0: Do literally everything. And there's discontent that comes up because you feel like there's FOMO, there's missing out. There's like, Oh, I'm not able to be a pick my kid, you know, kids up from, from sports and also be on the peloton and be like totally shredded mm-hmm. and also do meal prep with adorable little right creatures for the kids and all that stuff and it's like well, well
1: while up. recording it and putting it up on your youtube channel yes
0: right? of course like while recording it and selling your selling your course <laughs> you know right, selling right your course and being an influencer and stuff and people like beat themselves up on that. And one of the things that I think he does a great job is the fact that we sacrifice, like the fact that we have finite time and sacrifice other things to focus on the things you focus on gives more weight and importance to the things you're focusing on, because you're choosing to, sacrifice sacrifice is is a misleading word but like you're choosing to to let go of those other things and using the very valuable limited time that you have and Mm -hmm. giving weight to that yeah dinner with your kids or dinner with your significant other instead of half mindedly having dinner with your kids and half-mindedly doing this other thing that you're doing it's like oh no i'm giving like actually this is like I don't. I'm, it it changes from like I'm missing out on things to more like I'm just giving like a lot of weight and and rightfully so weight to the stuff mm-hmm. I'm choosing to fill my finite time with. And it it isn't a little bit of an existential crisis book because it's like oh shit four thousand weeks that's right. not a lot of time. And and I think what's really interesting about your experience has been like you had a brush with that pretty up close, right? And mm-hmm. and and that's I think such a great thing to remember for you know, for folks who are in any health status of any kind, where it's like we are finite, but and that's not something to be totally freaked out about. But it's like action it it prioritizes action to the now and action to the now right. on important important stuff that could and usually important stuff like you said could fail like it could very well mm-hmm. fail and like it might like okay so it, it's not doing important stuff that's like completely predictably going to work it's just doing important stuff and right most things that are important involve a level of potential failure
1: yeah you know i mean if if there's no risk right yeah. then you're doing things that can already be done um yeah. You know, one of the one of the things that um, Berkman's book, you know, really reminded me of. There's um, there's a poem uh, called uh, Sunday Morning by uh, Wallace Stevens, um, mid 20th century writer who is a hero of mine simply because he managed to do all that while also being an insurance executive. So it's like there's like you 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 can you can get out of just you know the boring you know corporate life and still do amazing things, but. The, the, the line from this poem that stuck with me from the first time I read it when I was like 17 is, death is the mother of beauty, right? Where the, the fact that we have finite existences gives everything a little bit more weight, right? Because, you know, you know, there, there's this argument, you know, if if we die, then nothing means anything. But it's also, if we die, all of this means everything. Right. And I mean, you, you can put it one way or the other, but, you know, what what we are doing on a day to day basis, you know, we, we are choosing what's important. Right. To us. And, you know, I, I, I'm about to go off on a tangent, but I'll, I'll bring it you know, like so much of our lives now. We're not actually choosing, you know, some algorithm somewhere is feeding us the next song that we're listening to or the next YouTube video or something like that. You know, and at some point, I want to say, you know, can we stop for a moment and actually choose what we're doing? Because it's the only time that we get to choose, right? It's not like, say, well, next lifetime, I'm going to remember that Spotify thinks that I really like, you know, um, you know, black metal, but, but I don't. Um, you know, I don't want to burn down any churches, um, you know. Furzum isn't for me. Um, you know, it's, you know, taking control of, of what we do feed into ourselves and, and then how we pour ourselves back out.
0: Oh, yeah, absolutely. I think that you're totally right in that sense of you're totally right in that is, is there's something that. Uh, There's a joke that I wrote, I think that was never take productivity advice from vampires because they have no sense. (laughs) Never take productivity advice from from vampires because they have no constraints on their life. So like. No urgency. Yeah, there's no urgency. They can just like do that. They can do everything in their life. They'll just punt it till like next tomorrow, till the next they'll do it a hundred years from now, you know,
1: right. We'll, we'll get to it.
0: Yeah, we'll get to it. in like, it'll, it'll get, it'll get done. It, it'll get done in <laughs> 3052, you know, whatever, wh- wh- whenever that year is. Um, but that ur- urgency, like bias towards action is something that I think for for everyone having that every, I love the notion of every moment being a new choice because it's very empowering mm-hmm. a new right. opportunity to make a new choice because so many times we think like, oh, it's too late for me, or it's, or whatever. I'm, I effed it all up. I effed up. You know, um, there are so many days I can count on that. It's, you know, it starts like a Mentos commercial where there's, <laughs> there's, it starts like one of those Mentos commercials where, like from the get-go, there's a car that splashes a puddle on on you or whatever it is, right? And then there's the choice to say the rest of the day is going to be shit. Right. Mm -hmm. And, and okay, it probably will be in that, in that, if you choose it. Yeah. Yeah, Right. And then it's like, okay, well, um, I'm going to choose to just vent it out a little bit, but then still try and choose something new. And the same thing goes for someone who's like dieting. Like I'm, I'm trying to, uh, again, for anyone watching here, like I am, ripped six uh, six pack ab you know um bodybuilder rock esque type person you'd have to take my word for it because you can't see me
1: but um (laughs) but but the tattoos look great on the on on the pulled tight skin right
0: yes 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 and it's just it's kind of like too many abs actually that show it's 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 almost
1: unfair I, I did i didn't know that you could have that many actually <laughs> you know it, it was it was it was impressive i have to say <laughs>
0: it's like, wait a second that's like you should get that checked right? out that's is, 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 is that an odd number of abs <laughs> <laughs> yeah so but i'm like trying to always you know keep my keep my figure nice and uh and a lot of times there's like oh i ate bread or something like that I I effed up my day or whatever it is mm-hmm. it's like okay fine this there's a new choice that can be made for the next moment it, it's not like just a wash because of something yeah. you know
1: yeah so yeah no i i hear that um you know and and we were talking about psls earlier so sometimes you just have to have one right it's, yeah uh,
0: exactly exactly it.
1: So, so what is your white whale, the, the, the project that's so close to you, it feels like the stakes are so high that it's scary to even think about starting.
0: Um, something that I am very passionate about is working with my family in our family business. So uh, w- one of the things that my, both my parents are kind of on retirement age now, and, uh, they're in the, since they're, You know psychiatry practices wound down and stuff like that my dad's always been and we've as a family have always been interested in like real estate investing on the side and so the thing is that it's it i i really enjoy it i like it's a very people industry too the the thing is i'm a creative marketing dude and i love that also and so the white whale for me right now is balancing the two is i'm helping take over parts of that family business and um, it's funny because I just literally, we just binged Succession as a family mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. It's like very eerily similar. To <laughs> my, dad is, my dad is not as crazy as the... I was going
1: to say, all, 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 all the... I'm guessing you guys also don't do as much coke. We don't. Yeah, not as much. Not as much. Yeah, yeah, Moderation, you know, moderation makes it okay.
0: Everything in moderation, Owen. Yes, of course, that's, that's right. So um, the but but like there are some dynamics that are kind of funny and we we joke about it, but it is something where now my brother and I are getting more involved in that, and the thing that's the the big why behind that is I, I haven't spent as much. I've spent so much more time, even though real estate isn't the thing that necessarily like lights me up to the moon. I get to I've spent so much one-on-one time with my dad in the past like 8 months yeah. than I have ever and it's been awesome to be able to have that one-on-one time we go for lunch it's it's like great and yes it's talking about business stuff but also talking about just life stuff and whatnot yeah but having that ability has been really great and actually has pulled me away from you know, taking roles that are really demanding creative director roles, for instance, or mm. um, really demanding, running a creative team running marketing for some com- some agency, right. And so I'm standing up my own um, kind of LinkedIn content agency. And mm-hmm. uh, also just like email marketing stuff for people to scratch that itch of what I'm really competent at and good at is mm-hmm. you know, helping people do their marketing. And while building that, also using that um, time and the freedom that comes, it's not total freedom, but like there's some relatively more level of, of time availability. To work on building this stuff with with my parents. And yeah. um, the real estate is a different part of my brain. So it's it's uh-huh. it's interesting, but that is why it's the white whale, because it's a tough nut to crack, is balancing both of
1: them. Yeah. So so what have you learned about your dad and in, in this different kind of relationship that you've had with him?
0: I've learned that he's I something that I've learned is he just like the jungle thing, this is coming full circle. Something I've something I've learned about him is that he is paranoid, but kind of he- healthily so. Hmm. And I was not. I would consider myself like a bit naive, if that, that's the word, hmm. before the past eight nine months of working together so closely. <laughs> Because a lot of the times I would be like, Dad, you're being very paranoid. You're being very paranoid, like the guy in succession or whatever it is. And the stuff that he was paranoid about was actually correct to be paranoid about. Like it Mm -hmm. actually, people did fall through on their word. People did fall through on their commitments or whatever it was that he was paranoid about. He's like, no, have a plan B and plan C. We had to go with the plan Bs and Cs. And so for me, I was coming from this world of creative agencies and stuff like that where everyone for the most part got along and this that and the other and it's like the 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 jungle jungle world is Mm -hmm. like people maybe it's just in real estate but in general like i felt that i had to be a little bit more heavily healthily paranoid of people Mm -hmm. and one of those things is just not being as it sounds like kind of negative, like don't be as trusting for people, but for a recovering people pleaser, like me, it's been
1: mm-hmm.
0: very helpful to learn that um, from my dad learning that side of him, where it's like, he's also a very giving, caring person to a, yeah. to a fault. But when it comes down to the business and nuts and bolts, he has certain boundaries that are like, okay, mm-hmm. I need to be a, a little bit, not fully trusting of, this person until that trust is earned or in some capacity. So that's something that I've been very grateful to have learned during that time. It sounds like I've learned some sinister skill to be like, a, to be, (laughs) be just like this, this, you know, uh, Doub, doubting everyone I meet and saying, I'm gonna keep an eye on you kind of thing, but it's really Mm -hmm. just a self-protection thing about, okay, not, 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 um, over committing or not giving someone my entire trust because sometimes it gets broken, you know?
1: Yeah, no, that's, that's really interesting because, um, when, <laughs> when I opened my own firm, uh, my dad, uh, was right. Up, he, he had basically just retired. Right. And I got a call from my mom. She said, so you need any help? I was like, no, well, Thanks for that vote of confidence. Um, you know, and, and she's like, "No, no, I need your dad to have something to do. Right? He's driving me crazy. I need him to have something to do." Yeah. Um, and so, my dad has been um, of counsel to my firm. It's interesting writing your dad checks, um, <laughs> but uh, um, it's been fascinating seeing him in in that capacity right because um for the reason that you know uh, both he and i were in the same industry right so i did everything i could to stay as far away from him and and you know his group because i wanted to be able to stand on my own two feet and you know all, all that kind of you know uh you know greek mythology nonsense you know that you can imagine right yeah um and i had i had never you know had a case with him or you know done anything like that and so it's been interesting working with him on on matters to to figure out where we naturally sort of have the same attitudes towards things and and where things are where we're very different right um and i don't want to say that he he is more cynical than i am but he is more um much more trust but verify right yes right where and and i i think that some of that is you know after you do it for long enough you see enough things go a little bit pear-shaped that you're like okay well let's yeah i i know he seems like a nice guy or she seems like a wonderful lady but you know let's let's see whether or not the money actually shows up or the contract actually gets signed or you know any number of the the, the versions of that um it's it's been somewhat revelatory to see and have the relationship with my dad expand you know in that way where you know i had never seen that aspect of him before and it, it felt like getting um i felt like i understood decisions that he made when i was a kid a lot better now right where it's like oh you weren't just being a total dick right there's there's i i get it okay right and and it it allowed me to forgive a lot of stuff that you know really rubbed me the wrong way when i was a child
0: totally 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 because i think you're seeing like oh there was because at that time he wasn't there to necessarily say hey time out turn to camera and say the reason why i'm doing this is because right. whatever whatever and then time back in or whatever it's right. it's You just did the stuff and you saw it and had maybe a a reaction to that. But now having that additional context and that's the same way with my dad too. And I think, I think um, actually I've been thinking a lot about just male, male relationships in general, as someone who Mm. I'm kind of very fascinated by male relationships as someone who like has tried to rekindle a lot of, like guy friend relationships in my adulthood that mm-hmm. kind of fell away. And I think that having a shared goal or project that isn't just like, Hey, let's just get together and like get coffee and shoot the shit. Like I think sometimes right. there's some people that need a shared goal, um, of like right. a so business
1: work towards something.
0: Right? Yeah. Work towards something. And that's cool that you are able to see, that transfer of like what your dad may have been trying to teach or, or do now, seeing it in your own business and seeing the context behind it and being like, oh, OK, I I get it. now I, I appreciate that mm-hmm. and taking that um, taking that forward.
1: Yeah, cool. So one more question and then I, I've taken up a good bit of your time already. So oh, this is great. Um, I'm curious. Who, who was the strangest person in the neighborhood when you were growing up? The
0: strangest person in my neighborhood growing up? Yeah. Um, there was a guy, his name was Mr. Duncan, mm-hmm. and he lived in this house that was looked nothing like everyone else's houses. It was it was literally a Frank Lloyd Wright house. Oh wow. And So yeah, that was the first like interesting "Mm," thing. He apparently owned the entire subdivision of our, you know, suburban Mm. subdivision or whatever, and must have, I don't know what he, I had no idea what he did. Very mysterious, very, um, reclusive and stuff Mm. like that. Um, didn't never handed out Halloween candy when we went to his (laughs) place. Um, but he had a Frank Lloyd Wright house that just sat atop this like hill and it was like literally this I don't know, insert any reclusive right. o- ogre, ogre kind of trope here where it's like I heard so and so happen in this house. I so I heard right, this, this, right. In this house, right. whatever.
1: Boo Radley lives up there. Right? Yeah, Boo
0: Radley lives up there. Exactly, exactly. And um but yeah, he was just like a very reclusive figure who, uh, occasionally we, we did actually the, what ended up happening is unfortunately passed away. And then they like the Frank Lloyd Wright association or whatever actually moved the house, like on a tractor trailer away. Yeah. Like, I don't know how people move houses, like you know, someone is like, Oh, I moved. No, you actually moved, moved uh, the house okay, uh, okay. The trailer for off the foundation, all that stuff to be in a different place. Um, Because that's after they passed away that they wanted to like preserve the, the house or something like that. And so hmm. um, he was he was the most interesting, I would say that one of the most interesting dynamics I had, though, was I was in high school. And there was this one guy who like ran the Latin Kings gang Mm -hmm. in our, in our local area. And I was always, obviously he was like in the gym locker room and in school and whatever, he'd always be giving people shit and Mm -hmm. teasing people and like harassing people and stuff like that. And for whatever reason, like I was able to, this is I think an early sign of my ability to build rapport with people and like diffuse Mm -hmm. people is for whatever reason I was on his good list. I was on his good list. (laughs) And so, um, whenever, (laughs) whenever he would be giving, You could
1: probably make him laugh, right?
0: Yeah, I could make him laugh. I did. And when he was giving everybody in the, in the locker room, in the gym locker room, like purple nurples and stuff like that and and squeezing, you know, and and towel snapping and this and people were not really rebutting him because he's had some power. Right. Yeah. And, and he would go down the line and it's like, oh, shit, it's my turn to get whatever <laughs> or, or to get called fat or to get called whatever he right. was going to say. And he just like fist pounded me. He's like, hey, what's up? How you doing? You know, just like and we would just <laughs> I he would ask me like help, not help on his homework. He was like, what I, I, I missed class. Like, what did we do in this in, in class today or whatever, mm-hmm. like common conversation <laughs> and then it'd go down the nice. line and harass everyone else. And it was great.
1: Oh, <laughs> well, cool. Hassan, thank you so much. Um, I, I could do this all night. So, um, you know, I, I, I don't know your address, so I can't send you DoorDash to keep this going, um, over dinner. I would um, but... Do <laughs> um, but let's do it
0: again. I would love that. I yeah. like everything we talked about is. I hope people take away that, you know, from everything that we talked about, like, first of all, reconnect with your guy friends. They're great. Yes. And secondly, yeah, just take action now. Do the action now because time is limited.
1: All right, that was Hassan Ali. Um, You can find Hassan, obviously, on LinkedIn, H-A-S-S-A-N, Ali, A-L-I. I I will put his uh, profile in the show notes. Um, Reach out. Tell me what you liked, what you hate. Um, Any feedback is most welcome. Uh, If you want to rate a review, you know the deal by this point. And with that, I'll see you next time. Bye.